0: The number one question I get these days, it's not even close. It's probably the number one question I get most of the time, but it's, should I buy stocks now? Let's talk about it. First and foremost, I've been buying stocks for 25 years, every two weeks in my 401k, and I think that's how most people should buy stocks. Let's kind of assume a broader scope on this is I have cash. Should I invest now? Again, let's talk about it. Stock market investors have been seeing red for all of 2022, right? Okay, maybe there's been a month, but it's been not pretty as far as year goes. All because the CPI index um, showed inflation. Basically higher than we thought all year long. It really wasn't until July and August that we started seeing sideways-ish kind of numbers or slightly down-ish kind of numbers versus peak numbers. People think we've hit peak inflation. This has led the stock market to plunge to its worst one-day loss since June 2020 last week when we saw um, a big CPI print that basically confirmed the Fed's going to raise interest rate 75 basis points. So any day we have a big plunge, I and mean, I think we've had two really big ones in 2022 through the month of August. Anytime there's a really big one, people panic. But what I really want to see is what's its called the panic index, the VIX, the V-I-X, and you can go Google it, or you can punch it into Yahoo Finance. You'll see what I'm talking about. You want a reading above 40 because that shows a lot of panic. You Nearly know, all major indices and many stock individual stocks are suffering double-digit year-to-date losses. Leaving many hesitant to put new money to work, and yet that's when you want to put new money to work. Most amount of money I've ever made are in down markets, not because I picked a great stock up at a cheap price, but because I continue to invest every two weeks, no matter what, in the ups and downs. But it's the downs where you get more for your money. Fifty percent, fifty-six percent of U.S. investors said that they are not making decisions right now due to the volatility. They feel. They don't know which direction it's going to go. And that's normal and that's healthy. Just embrace it instead of be fearful of it. I like index funds that track the overall stock market or the S&P 500 for individuals who want to pick stocks. Um, I recommend dollar cost averaging into index funds for most people. The phrase that pays on Wall Street is time in the market versus timing the market. Focus on what you can control. Stock market will have its good days and its bad days, of course. The only thing in your control is your financial goals and the strategy which you're going to get there. So again, if you have time, you want to be buying low, in my opinion, even if you have cash coming in or just every two weeks through 401k. Now, if your short-term goal is not retirement or at least five years, and let's say your short-term goal is money for a house, uh, yeah, you may that may be a, a bad idea to invest in the short term. But the 401k or the IRA, I really like those long-term opportunities for investors like you to say time in the market, not timing the market. I don't usually do this, but let's hit a couple um online brokerages that I like that you can be in the market. When I am talking online brokerages, I'm saying, I'm telling you, like, um, I don't think they're all created equal. First and foremost, I really, really like access to low cost vehicles, access to low cost investment opportunities like 401ks or Roth IRAs or IRAs. If you're spending $2 to invest a hundred, that's too much. I want to see things down 1%, not 2%. I want to see things below 1% if you're doing it in 401k. So the the, the firms that I really like working with, and I should I should say 401k or IRA as well. Because I know not every one of you works for a corporate company. Some of you are self-funding your retirement with being an entrepreneur or being a an independent contractor. You have to invest for yourself. Your company's not going to do that for you. So if you need to choose a company to work with and you can go, hey, I'm an independent contractor or hey, I've got some extra money and I just got married and uh, I want to put that wedding money into a savings account. A good investment brokerage account is what I want you to do if you have time. So you can take advantage of timing the market by investing every two weeks, not not like, oh, what am I going to do in 2021? What am I going to do in 2023? What if the market is up 5%? Am I doubling? Like, I, I'd rather your plan be every two weeks. Charles Schwab, I think, is a great online brokerage with easy tools, great paperwork. They also have a robo advisor. You have what are called Schwab Intelligent Portfolios and Schwab Intelligent Portfolios Premium. There's a lot of options there, a lot of good educational resources for helping you plan retirement. Now, again, not as good as a CFP. It's just, it can't be all that comprehensive and you live in different states, you got to figure out different tax rates. But the fees are generally pretty cheap at Schwab, at Vanguard, at Fidelity. Uh, I'm okay with Betterment or Wealthfront if you really want to be kind of a, more of a millennial betterment has smaller account sizes they've got some access to some digital investing tools up to one free year of management services with the quality of positive 40 within 45 days of opening an account they get some cute little things of course they have a robo advisor betterment's pretty famous for their robo advisor um they help with 401ks they help with re- retirement, traditional, like a lot of these companies have some really nice digital assets when you go to their website. Now, again, Fidelity has some real branches. Betterment, I don't know if they do. I don't think I've seen one as far as a branch goes. Um, so if that's important to you. It's something you should consider. I think Fidelity is the king of uh, options as is Vanguard. If I had to choose one, like if i were to send my kid to say one company and he doesn't want to do individual stocks it's an, i'd send him to vanguard i think they've got the greatest options fidelity's pretty damn close and i really really love the paperwork fidelity has 0 dollars for stocks etfs options and some mutual funds so no costs some etfs don't have expense ratios which is amazing There's a mobile app that's easy to use with Fidelity. I think that's probably important in this day and age, right? There's no Forex trading. So if that's gonna be your thing, you know it's the only thing that's really, really worked well in 2022 and it's gonna continue to work well until the Fed raises interest rates. It's the dollar. Until the I'm sorry, until the Fed stops raising interest rates. Er, Get the cobwebs out of your head, Rob Black. I know, all right. So all of those firms are pretty good firms. And again, I'll repeat them. Charles Schwab, Vanguard, Fidelity. If you like um being on the younger side, I think Betterment and Wealthfront are lovely. And then after that, like I use an acorns account, and I've got it some, some, to some serious ching. Like I got a pretty big oak tree coming. Acorns snap that it's a brokerage account. I think it's on top of an account at Fidelity Vanguard, Betterment, Wealthfront, Schwab. Acorns is an account that rounds up your money, so but you could also set it up to every Friday, take out an extra $100 to invest it for you. But the roundup works like this. If you have a credit card, you link it to um, acorns.com or the Acorns app. You can get it at the app store. And then let's say you go out and get a slice of pizza for three seventy five. It takes that seventy five and it adds twenty five cents to it. So you're you're going to see your charge is four dollars, but it invests that twenty five cents for you. I love that kind of investing stuff that you can hardly feel leave your pocket. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Check it out today. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM twelve twenty KDLW. So pre pre pre-pandemic. 2017, 2000, yeah, about 2017, maybe 2018. I bought a second home for my children to visit during the holiday seasons. Basically years and years and years of living in California and raising kids. We would go to different locations of like Big Sur and use Airbnb. We would go to Los Angeles and use Airbnb. We would go to you named the resort, you named the place with tall trees and would use Airbnb. On occasion, when we would vacation, we would kind of do the resort hotel. Plus, that's right. You got it. Airbnb. So probably in 2017, 2018, I was like, okay, honey, I'm getting a little sick of this because we just paid $600 a night, which is not cheap. Hotel's $650 a night. And we're cleaning up their house. And we might have made Whoopi in their bed, and our kids might have used their beds as trampolines. I'm like, I kind of want to get out of the business of renting other people's place and rent my own. And what I'll do is I can rent it out for the six weeks of the year that are super important Christmas, Thanksgiving, July 4th. You can kind of figure out the first week of summer, the last week of summer, spring break. And with the money that I could charge on those premium weekends, or those premium weeks, I could pay for the whole mortgage. Fail safe idea in my head. It was going to work. I was going to Airbnb it to pay for the times that I'm there whenever I want to be with my children skiing. Um, I grew up overseas and I played soccer, and I could probably out soccer you on some levels um, because I grew up overseas versus the average American, where you're getting kind of more fitness and run around the run around the pitch training where I was getting really good European coaching, but no skiing. Um, I know that there's some ski slopes in Europe and I know they're kind of famous, but my parents were never close to them, nor did my parents ski. Thus in college, when my buddy said, let's go ski, I was like, I'll be on the bunny slope. And then you kind of work your way up, right? And I didn't want that for my kids. I, it's for me being a dad, uh, what defines me is. You know, how do I set my kids up? I, I take them to a lot of live concerts. Um, I don't do things like motorcycles. I kind of try to affirm life experiences without taking risks or putting yourself in a situation where you're going to be in trouble or get yourself in trouble. Um, I went out last night and found myself having to drive at midnight. I'm like, wow, I just kind of went right by a cop. And I'm not saying anything negative on cops, but let's just say, I don't want to get pulled over by a cop as much as you don't want to get pulled over by a cop. I'm like, I wonder if I'm like, I wonder if a headlights out, what's going to get me? And then the cop pulls me over, right? And he doesn't, it didn't happen last night, but you get really nervous. My adrenaline starts going and I'm like, sorry, sir. I'm really nervous. I probably haven't been pulled over in 20 years. So I'm I'm making much ado about nothing except for trying to say, I tried to train my kids, try not to stay out too late at night. So I got a really nice place on Airbnb, Um, not on Airbnb. I got a really nice place for my kids for a nice break and sharing it with other people is not really my thing. That was the plan, but you're starting to hear some backlash on customers versus Airbnb. Now here's the problem is I love loaning my, my mountain home out to friends and family. Love it. <clears throat> totally free right but i say here clean up this 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 because i'm not paying a cleaning service to come do it <clears throat> if i were charging you then you're suddenly kind of like this weird relationship and i don't like that i don't like people saying well i'm paying you know 700 dollars a night i might as well pee in his mattress or i'm paying 700 dollars a night i might as well uh you know make love in the closet <laughs> i'm like did I have to find like love remnants in the closet? No, thank you. So my plan was to Airbnb it, but ultimately I decided against it. And it's kind of funny right now. People are like, I'm paying $229 a night to stay and $125 cleaning fee. I'm not I'm not doing any laundry. Screw that. Um, where they ask you to take the sheets off. And again, to me, an Airbnb is not a hotel. It's just a different thing. And knowing that it's a different thing, I understand that owners are going to ask for different things. With that being said, it does seem strange, you know, given the premium being paid for stain mixing in, asking people to clean, and then charging them a lot to clean it. You forget, like, hotels don't charge you to clean, right? So that's something you have to factor in when you go on vacation. Airbnb hosts have asked guests to do the chores. Such as take out garbage when checking out to do the dishes, clean up and other measures to help the host, despite paying for a cleaning fee. It can be pretty high these days. If I were to rent out my home, I would do a cleaning fee and I wouldn't ask people to clean up at all. Uh, I would pay, I would charge more for the cleaning fee is what it comes down to. I seen it in Airbnb recently and they're asking, like, strip off the sheets. And that's all they asked. And I was pretty clean up after yourself and trip up. And I'm like, that's pretty humane. That's pretty easy. But here's my Airbnb story. That's kind of the scary Airbnb story. Because more and more Americans are doing Airbnb. A friend of mine's kid played soccer with my kid. And his daughter, like younger daughter, so younger than my son, he took his whole family up to the mountains and got an Airbnb. Loved it skiing and snow and just perfect wintry conditions during Christmas. And then they decided to eat in the hot tub and it was an older hot tub. And the daughter kind of sat comfortably near one of the vents and it turns out out the vents pulled her stomachs, her intestines out because there was no filter or something on top of it. And she had to get airlifted to a doctor. I've told the story on there many times, but again, it's, it's, this is all about Airbnb is a good idea is a bad idea. First and foremost, I hope that people had insurance. Who were customers. I hope people who own the place had insurance because I don't know how that mess figures itself out without it. So her intestines get pulled out and that's where it becomes very, very expensive. Cause you're now starting to talk about a helicopter trip to, to get her out of there. Whoa. So I want you to think about things like Airbnb and I went into it with financial decision. I could rent it out six weeks of the year and the other 46 weeks would be free to me and my family. And I, I did the math and it would have worked. But then I the last second after stocking up the house, after enjoying the house, after showing it to the kids, I had this like bad Spider-Man feeling. Don't, don't, don't Airbnb it. And it's really weird because you know what I should do is rent it out. I can make a mint renting it out. In fact, that mountain area is paying or paying owners like me who use it as a second home only to say, stop doing that. Rent it to one person and we'll give you Twelve thousand dollars a year. Rent it to two people, we'll give you twenty-four thousand. Rent it to three, and we'll give you thirty-six thousand on top of the rents you collect. And okay, now that business model came in my head, but I'm already in love with the place and I already take my kids. Like, do you see how sometimes you think you're going to do one thing, and then you do something totally different? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Now back to new focus on wealth on AM twelve twenty KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more Thanks for listening to the show. The podcast, you can find anywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, search for Rob Black Show or Rob Black and Your Money. You'll find me. You can also find me through my website, robblackshow.com. It's also all my social media channels, Rob Black Show. How much money do you need in retirement in order to spend the rest of your life income worry-free? Now, I've been building a position, stocks that pay dividends for the last 25 years. That's on side of my 401k. My 401k to me is gonna be part of my retirement. My my, my social security is gonna be a part of retirement. And then I have to replace the rest of it with what I refer to as an income generating plan. And you can buy Coca-Cola and they'll pay you 2.2%. So every $100 you buy of Coca-Cola stock, you get $2.20 a year. But Coke's not going to come out with a faster internet version. They're not going to suddenly be pulling water from clouds in a sensitive, silky kind of way that makes the product better. There's nothing like that on the horizon. They typically buy shelf space. So if an orange juice company is selling a lot of orange juice, Rush Limbaugh is going, told up, told up, oranges are good for you and everyone's buying oranges, boom, they'll buy an orange juice company. If you know, uh, energy drinks are selling the rage with kids 18 to 25, and kids 18 to 25 are like, I don't like Coke. My parents like Coke. I like Red Bull. Bull. You have Red Bull? I like Red Bull. As soon as energy drink, Red Bull comes, Pepsi grabs them, or Coca-Cola buys them, then Monster comes, the other one buys it. They're buying shelf space. They're buying hot product, Right. So that's why I own a Coca-Cola, because either them or Pepsi are going to die. I think Pepsi's a little bit growier. I think coca Cola's a little bit more heroic, um, stable, knight-like, um, unless you're talking about the knights that are in Game of Thrones and House of Dragons, and it's like a totally different game. Um, so I like dividends, and they're part of my retirement strategy. How much do I need to save retirement to spend the rest of my life? Income worry free. Income instantly goes to dividends for me. Let's see where I go with this. One particular way to achieve your retirement goals for sure. Uh, different people have come up with different methods. Some of them are referred to, you know, as some tactics that you can get, get into. Uh, a lot of different rules. Simply save 20% of your income and you'll be fine. Keeping it simple allows you to enjoy the other 80% of your income stress-free while you're young. If you can live off 85% of your salary or 80% of your salary, now keep in mind, I do 85, but then also I do things like Acorns, which takes some of my money from my savings accounts. I do credit card points. I turn those into investments. So when I get like 2% back, I don't take it as 2% back to me. I say, okay, Give me the money back. Put it in my bank account. I'm going to write the same exact check now to my brokerage account. So if I'm saving 4% on my Verizon card with gasoline, I'm saving 2% on my city back card. I don't use those points. I use those dollars. Now, the ones that I use points for are the the flying and the hotels, which is interesting because they're like, if you use our portal, you get one and a half times as many points. Um doesn't usually, when you go to redeem your points, you typically have a pretty big letdown. Just so you know, I have cash and I have points for travel, a 2021 study from Vanguard indicates the average balance in a 401k is about $130,000. The median amount right now is just $33,000. That means that there are some people with a lot of money in their retirement, which risks greatly start to rise for the national average. Generation X workers who are now in their 40s and 50s but have little in the ways of savings. 47% of my fellow Generation Xers um, don't even have a bank, don't even have a retirement account. 47%. So one rule that I wanted to get to for general rules, rules of thumb, um, how much do I need? It's going to be 25 times your income. So, if you make $100,000, you're looking at $2.5 million, right? And you can figure it all out. I'm going to let you do the math. Um, there's that old fashioned, well, you're going to take 4% of whatever is your nest egg and live off that. I, I think that's too complicated. I say 10 times if you want to, 10 times your income if you want to retire in Missouri or Tonga. 25 times if you want to be safe. If you can establish a 20% savings rate, if you can get into that habit, you don't even notice the money when it's gone. I I promise you I've been saving 15% of my 401k every year for the last 25 years. There was a one and a half year period where it wasn't activated and I thought it was. I was so busy trying to help you guys that I hurt myself. I'm not blaming you. Okay, maybe I'm blaming you a little bit. Maybe I'm that kind of passive aggressive. Okay, I probably am. Can you learn to say eighty percent of my money is enough? Because keep in mind, you know, twenty-five percent of your money is probably going to go into housing. So I've just lowered you down to living off fifty-five percent. Oof! Now now I'm starting to hurt you, aren't I? Let's say your tax bracket is twenty percent. So I've taken your 80 down to 35% leftover on just two categories. How about my car, Rob? How about my car? That's why I recommend used cars. So that is a financial planner. If you think you're going to stump them, a man walks into a bar and asks a financial planner, how much do I need to save for retirement? If he kicks out the answer, 20% of your income while you're working, I love that man. Because that's going to equal about 25% of your income when you retire. And again, it's going to keep you in a similar world of the way you spend. You can talk to a CFP at EP Wealth. Some of them are going to say, oh, your first five years in retirement, you're going to do all these things. You're going to, you know, you think you're going to be around the house saving money, but you're going to go see the grandkids and you're going to go on the trip with your honey that you want to go back to Paris and rekindle your marriage. And the first five years tend to be more expensive than you think. And it tends to be pretty go, 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 go. And then it settles down into, my back hurts. I can't go to the Paris Louvre. Those French people don't understand back problems. Their beds are too lumpy. Yeah, I'm a little passive aggressive, aren't I? (laughs) I'm starting to learn that about myself. Oh, this show is such, it's so cathartic for me. So can you live off the 80%? I automatically save. This year, I'm going to save a good 20%. And I'm living off my 80% of my income. And my spouse is going to look at me and she's like, are you worried about the stock market? Are you worried about your cash flow? Are you worried about being fired? I'm like, nope, because I'm saving 20%. So last night when I spent a little too much at a concert, actually last night was pretty cheap. Um, But that's because I got StubHub tickets a day of a concert. because It didn't look like it was selling out and it wasn't. Prices went down, 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 but what would have been a $500 ticket in a sold out arena was 40 bucks. That's not bad, right? Oh, but the parking's a hundred dollars. Don't get me started on that. Okay. So back to how much do you need to last for the rest of your life? Again, income, you're going to say some of it's social security. Go to ssa.gov. You'll see how much you're going to get then take your income times it by 20 25 if you will and you're going to start and again you probably want to be at 4 to 10 times your income saved in your 30s like that you could start setting some benchmarks there i say between 1 and 3 times when you turn 30 so if you're making 100,000 dollars i want to see somewhere between 100 and 300,000 so i could see that you're at least making some you know some movement i know you're saying that's harsh rob and again, I'm using, let's say you're making 50,000 at age 30. I'm only asking you to get 50 to 150 yen, but that's going to scale with stock market results to equal a similar income to what you have right now. And I'll be honest with you. When you go to SSA.gov and see how much social security you got coming, take a look at how much you made in 1993 and you're going to go, oh, that wasn't a very good year for me. And you're going to say like, oh, but I, five years later, I doubled my, my income. And then for the next 10 years, I didn't do anything. And the next 10 years, I doubled it again. And you're like, Back when I was a young man, I made a very small amount of money and I saved 10, 15, 20%. I was a good boy. Um, and you see how when you're doing it, when you're wealthier, it, it just, it throws more money in the kitty. And those earlier years have been growing tax-free, hopefully. Hopefully you're not doing a lot of trading and taking a lot of losses. Capital gain has been deferred if it's in a qualified retirement account. So that's the number one question I get. And the answer is 20% of your income. And if you can squirrel away a little bit more, that's good. But 20% of your income will equal about 25 times your income when you retire, if not more. We're not saving enough for retirement. We're looking for, well, what if I take 4% out? Just start doing some math and put it in front of you on paper if you can. I do think that's one area where the internet has lost a lot of its edginess for me is I still like the New York Times print edition much, much more so than I like the online edition. Here's a funny story. Um, back when I first got into the business, one minute. I knew I was going to be smarter than you. And I did, I knew I was going to deal with investment research. I knew I was going to deal with just the time I was born with technology. But also, I started every day with the Wall Street Journal. And the New York Times business section. And every week I would save the Wall Street Journal business section and the New York Times business section. And I, the day I'm reading it, I would circle in black things that I thought were going to be interesting. And then on Saturday, I would go back and read my notes and see if what I thought was going to be interesting was interesting. Um, it's just like double research. Newspapers go on top of research reports, it goes on top of instinct. It goes on top of experience. What do you bring to the table? I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. All that is gold, glitters. Yeah. I've never been a fan of jewelry and or precious metals if any way, shape, or form. Golden diamonds are silly to me. Um, But I'm digressing. Why are gold and jewelry? Silly to me. Just Yeah, you could get a diamond necklace that was on the Titanic and call it an investment, but isn't it easier to buy stocks and bonds and real estate? And that's when you get into the questions on should you own gold or should you own Bitcoin? Where is diversity that's okay with Rob Black? Where is diversity that's okay with you? I'm not trying to be your Buddha or guru. I'm here as a second opinion. When Russian tanks rolled into the Ukraine on February 24th, the world became geopolitically uncertain. There was a rush to safe haven investments like gold. The price surged from 1,900 an ounce to 2,057 an ounce. Since then, gold prices have reversed, and they really haven't really been what they're supposed to be. It's like, are you supposed to be marching higher? It hasn't worked that way. As Russians marched towards Kharkiv, the shiny metal fell to a new two-year low recently. As the war is dragged on, you would imagine it would be holding a little bit more value, like having a birthday party and no one shows up. It's like, hey, I'm gold. I'm good. I'm here to protect you. And no one really cares. Spot gold prices uh, last week were 1,654 ounce. Two-year low, it's 19% off its peak. You can say it's in a bear market. Isn't gold supposed to be higher in inflation markets? Isn't inf- gold supposed to be higher when there's geopolitical uncertainty? We've heard Biden recently start, you know, telling, you know, Putin better not go nuclear. He better not go nuclear. I'd need to take a nap and he better not go nuclear. He is a pretty sleepy looking press <laughs> and you got to admit, He did a 60 minutes interview that um, I'm surprised he stayed awake for the whole thing. So, Gold's record as a store of value in prolonged periods of high inflation, some people say that's the reason to hold it. Um, I don't like gold for the average investor. Now, here's where I'm like almost starting to split hairs. I'm like, I can make a case of gold if you really want to say, I'm going to put 2% of all my money every two weeks into gold. I, I'm not. You're not going to freak me out on that. But where you're going to freak me out is how do you buy it? If you buy it as ticker symbol GLD. And again, I don't own any gold. I'll never own any gold. It's not my thing. For me, the time to own gold was when the Queen of England and not the one you're thinking about who was just buried, but the Queen of England would say, Chris Columbus or the Queen of Spain or the Queen of Portugal. Hey, explore, go, go mine these colonies and go get gold and spices for us. And, you know, if you kill other uh, inhabitants with polio and smallpox, that's okay. We just need the gold. The Queen wants gold. Back in those days where we were had ships made of wood and sails and not motors, no motors, right? That's when gold to me was interesting. I know you're saying, man, you're harsh, Rob. I haven't liked gold since then. And again, in the 1970s, did it rock up when inflation rocked up? It did. It was scary to see the price of gold at 20,000. Like, whoa. And maybe that's what Bitcoin is. Maybe, you know, gold is... Kind of an asset, but you don't really spend it. Bitcoin is kind of an asset, but you don't really spend it. Bitcoin went from 3,000, much lower than that, all the way to 60,000, back down to 20,000. Where's it going to go now? Sounds a little bit like gold in the 70s. Again, all that glitters is gold now. Gold loses its shine as the strong dollar weighs in. It's supposed to be stronger than it is. Um, with inflation and when with political uncertainty. Because when Biden says things like Putin, don't do nukes, I'm getting the feeling the CIA is telling Biden, hey, Russia might do you do nukes kind of thing. And I'm like, great. I'm not gonna be going on like honeymoon in Ukraine anytime soon. Well, I guess I want it anyway. And I know you're saying, aren't you already married? Yes, but every five years I get a new wife and I do a new No, I don't do that. That's how you piss off your wife. 800-516-1220 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Any of you want to talk about what we can talk about, Elon Musk was in the news for two reasons over the weekend. One, because he's now getting sued in a big lawsuit that's seeking um, momentum for fraud of Tesla's autopilot. So drivers are suing the electric car maker, Tesla. He's in the company of deceiving consumers about the abilities and charging a lot of money. It They're getting enough people to create a class action lawsuit. I would imagine that'll expand to multiple states. Um, One client said he paid $5,000 for the autopilot upgrade. He seeks damages and a jury trial. It claims Tesla and its CEO Elon Musk broke several warranty, false advertising, negligence, fraud, and deceit laws. Now again... Here's There's a lot going on here, right? Um, I believe anytime there's a class action lawsuit that, yeah, you can join it. But the lawyer's going to get 85% of the money and the fees are going to be another 12%. And you may be wrestling with another million people over 3% of winnings, which may come out to $143. I could be wrong. I've never seen a class action lawsuit really work for people. If you've been injured on the job if you've got spiny bifida, if you have spiny Corleone eyeballitis that you got while serving at Camp Lejeune, if you drink water in the 1970s out of a hose, like those don't tend to get anywhere for the people who sign on. So Tesla employees uh, have made videos that would later reveal the car in the video had significant assistance from commercial mapping software companies. So, like they've put out youtube videos saying like look how great our automated driving so- software is and it's cheating Uh oh and then you're getting people to, for something that says you know fully self-driving automated and it's not okay so elon musk is in the news for that but he's also in the news for his starlink internet it's now active on all seven continents and airlines and cruise ships are dying They're they're falling over each other to get starlink in their airplanes as well as their boats Um, He's a man of two tails, is he not? He's not an easy person to figure, Elon Musk. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.